Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Cross Language Podcast. We are here today with Zach Lowy, as usual. How are you doing, Zach? I'm doing great. Um, we've got some great, uh, we've got a great guest lined up for you. Um, just recorded uh, our recent podcast with Cristiano Oliveira, which was awesome, but we got something a bit different uh, with our new guest, and I'm super excited to be finally talking to him. Um, and yeah, really excited to be discussing the themes we've got lined up for you today. Yeah, and so we're going to introduce that new uh, guest here today. Our guest today is João Matheus. How are you doing, João? Yeah, I'm great. I'm great, Dennis. Um, thanks for uh, for uh, for the invitation. Uh, Zach told that uh, he was looking forward to talk to me. Uh, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to talk to 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 them and to you as well. But uh, I I don't promise anything good. So. <laughs> Don't uh, don't have high high expectations. All right, um, let's get let's get straight into it then. Um, first, I want to talk about uh, sporting. Obviously, uh, top of the league. We've spoken about them quite a bit this season. Um, this in this season, um, and obviously, you know, high flying. What ten points clear at the top, and pretty much looks dead on to win the the Premier League. However, we wanted to take a deep look at what has made Sporting a side that has gone to the next level compared to last season and what has pushed them beyond Porto and beyond Benfica and all the rest in the in the Portuguese league and what has made them that top-level team. So, Jean, I just want to ask you first, what were your initial thoughts when you saw Hoban Amarim's Sporting side, you know, this season, coming into the season? Um... Well, I was looking forward uh, with a lot of expectation, uh, I guess. Um, not only from uh, from Ruben uh, Mourinho working the, in the, in Braga, and therefore in Casapi, which is a lower a lower a lower team here or a lower side team here in in Portugal. But uh, I was uh, with high expectations, um, mostly because the the players that uh, Sporting um, sign, uh, like uh, Pedro Gonçalves, Nun Santos. The, the the comeback, if you will, of uh, of Palinha to the to the club, and um, and let me let me uh, start my 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 analysis of Sporting uh, by by talking with uh, about Palinha. Uh, I I believe in the last episode with David Novo, uh, David ended the ended up the the podcast uh, mentioning Palinha. Uh, so I'll take, I will take advantage of that uh, to bridge the gap between the two episodes uh, and using uh, João Palinha as a base to talk about sporting and why he's so important for the team. Um, in fact, he's really a key piece in the model of, uh, of Ruben Amorim, not only um, in, a, in a, a macro point of view, if you will, uh, in the way he guarantees that Sporting is always balanced when the, when they lost the ball, but in a more micro uh, perspective as well. For example, um, how he gives João Mario m- much more freedom with with the ball, um, allowing him to take a more risky situation, which is a thing that uh, last year, when Sporting had Vendel and Mateus Nunes, um, it was not necessarily the case. Uh, you you didn't have a player like Palinha um, with that um, huge area of influence covering a massive amount of space. 
and that um, and that impact that Palinha has on sporting team allows sporting to to start um, to start preparing the moment when they recover the ball at the same time they are defending which is very very interesting uh, if you if you look at uh, at sporting games uh, the three forwards don't need to get down the, the field as much uh, and uh, and in fact as we are talking about the forwards one of the the key features of this sporting team for me is the 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 coordination of um, of the of those three forwards which is quite remarkable uh, remarkable indeed the way they fulfill the spaces between the three uh, with uh, those um, uh, contrasting movements between su uh, support um, rupture um, they are they are quite fundamental not only to to dismantle the opponents when they are in the organization phase, but um, also when Sporting are looking to build up uh, from uh, from lower positions under pressure and um, and establishing uh, high up the field. Um, and, and it's curious that uh, we are we are talking about this because and I know if you if you heard Zach and and Dennis. Uh, recently, you you had Sergio Conceição and Daniel Ramos, uh, which is the coach of Santa Clara, saying that it's uh, easy, uh, or at least not that hard, to understand all sporting plays. Uh, but it's very difficult to counter, um, because in a, in a simple way, uh, you have two options to play against sporting, or, or you, um, you either give up um, pressing high up the field, uh, all the way to Adan, um, to to have high degree of control of the depth, as as Gil Vicente did, for example, or even Pastor Ferreira, uh, or you choose to push up the field and leave a large amount of space in behind and behind your defensive line. So, at first, the first option to don't press that high seems uh, seems safe, seems the safest at least, uh, or or at first sight. But it implies that your defensive line is very competent, not only um, in controlling the depth, but uh, uh, but in the in the way it regulates the height uh, in in a in a coordinated way. And the second uh, way of playing against Sporting, it's um, uh, like for example, like Porto played in the League Cup, uh, more aggressive and gives them more aggressive pressing, but that gives a lot of space um, behind the defensive line to Sporting to explore, and uh, and um, and especially in this kind of games um, when the opponents press the sport high up the field, um, the 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 signing of Paulinho, for example, it, it's it's massive for me. Um, it's it's very it's very important the signing of Paulinho because he is a player that is. Perfect and is a uh, and is perfect for um, for the way that the Ruben Amorim thinks the game. Uh, he's someone very strong, playing in support between the lines and asking for the ball behind the, the midfielders. And um, those kind of movements um, opens the, the spaces in depth, um, as Sporting like like so much. So um, I think all things together. Um, the way uh, Sporting prepared the season for me was very important. Um, uh, the signings that they made was was very uh, very um, how would I say very well well thought, I guess. Uh, if you see like uh, Porro, massive player nowadays, Nuno Santos, massive player, 
Pedro Gonçalves, massive player. So if you think about all the players that are new um, in sporting, um, and I'm here including uh, João Palinha as well, are, are massive um, for sporting at this stage. And so preparation was, was, was very important to me as well. Uh, Bro, real quick, do you think that, uh, in, you know, in the past two games, Sporting have, have managed to achieve impressive results, but they did get outplayed by Porto, who had the better amount of chances, uh, while Santa Clara came very close to, dry, to drawing, uh, even winning that game on Friday. Mm -hmm. Do you think that they will be forced to adapt uh, going into next season? Um, adapt in terms of, of the way they play? Yes. Uh, well, um, this is a very uh, interesting uh, topic, uh, topic uh, because um, Ruben, Ruben Amorim, uh, and if you look at Santa Clara game, for example, uh, Pedro Pojo was not uh, fit to play. And um, when uh, all of us, at least the majority of us, uh, thought that João Pereira was, um, was, uh, was replacing um, Porro in the as the as the right wing back, um, Amorim played uh, Matheus Nunes, um, and this um, is very interesting because uh, Ruben Amorim has has told um, I think in in some press conferences at least that he is not um, very keen to to change the system. He likes to to maintain the system, uh, but but uh, change the pieces to give uh, different dynamics. I don't know if you are understanding me. So in the future, uh, I don't think, I really don't think that Amorim will change the system. I think he will bring players um, that offer him different solutions and different di dynamics uh, within the system. Um, um, so I think is is a process. Um, I I believe that uh, next season you will see uh, you will see Gonzalo Inácio exploding. For example, uh, well he's he's a, a kind of exploding right now. But um, I think next season will be will be very important for for Sporting. Uh, and um, if everything goes goes as as expected, uh, you will see Sporting playing Champions League football uh, next season, which uh, which uh, will um, will uh, will be very different because uh, Sporting nowadays is playing one game a week um, and not uh, and never played uh, Europe uh, competitions this season. So there's there's a, a, a a little factor, if you will, but but is massive in terms of the way you prepare the season and the the amount of players that uh, that you need to have to be competitive in the in uh, in all the competitions. Uh, what do you think about what do you make about um, the summer business from from Sporting and forming the team in Hobanamarin's um, image almost? Like securing the players that were needed for the three-four-three that he wanted to play. Yeah, no, I mean that is a great point. I think that um, going into the summer, a lot of us, maybe Joao too, were skeptical 
of this business uh, just because they're compared to Benfica, for example, who brought in players such as you know Darwin Nunes, John Bertongen, big names, a lot of players with big potential, or a team like team like Porto, who you know arguably uh, got the best striker in the league in Meditaremi, as well as getting in some quality reinforcements. It did seem a bit underwhelming, um, especially given the fact that it seemed like they would sell Paulinha um, to Wolves. I know a Russian club was also mentioned as a potential suitor. Um, but I, I think that looking back in hindsight, uh, it, it was it was a brilliant uh, summer from, from Frederic Barandas. Um, obviously, the number one uh, indisputably best signing probably in all of Portugal, I think. I would, I would go as far as say he's the best player in Portugal right now. Uh, Pedro Gonçalves, who, by the way, we have a really good article coming up on Breaking the Lines uh, this week on Pedro Gonçalves. very in-depth, so stay tuned for that. Uh, I think that he's been... I, I, I think that he's definitely been the number one uh, talisman, I guess, in attack. There, there are games where even if he doesn't score... Uh, he'll still make an impact. Or even if he doesn't make, you know, the, that assist or doesn't have a great game, he'll still find a way to get on the score sheet. So I, I think that getting him, finding a player with that, I guess, individual quality, um, that ability to replace Bruno Fernandes, but also fit in uh, in attack, I think that was a masterstroke. Um, I think that apart from that, João Mario, I got to say, um, really underrated in terms of his role in this uh, um, sporting title challenge. I think that getting him in just one for the experience that he brings, you know, bringing in a Euro winner, a Portugal international, and and having him up, you know, mentor guys like Nuno Mensch, for example, or Pedro Pojo or Gonzalo Inacio. It's absolutely massive, but. Uh, you know, I think that the fact that he hasn't been, I guess that it's been a while since he's been kind of in the spotlight that a lot of us forgot that this is still a quality player who can offer a lot. We talked about, you know, a few like a week ago and how important he was in the game against Porto. Uh, so I think getting him in um, and having that combination with Valinha and Mario, absolutely uh, massive for them. Um I would also like to say that Zuhair Fedal, another player who deserves a lot of praise, uh, having him brought in and, and replacing Jeremy Mateo after his retirement, uh, been fantastic in that, in that left center back role. One of those players who, you know, never quite impressed that much in a, in a back four for Betis but um, has, has always had those fundamentals to, to play in that as that wide center back role. Um, so I think that Pedro Pojo, obviously probably the best right back slash right wing back um, in Portugal right now, getting him from, uh, from Manchester City on loan, another great move um, from them. And, and really, I think that Sporting should definitely be trying to get him on a permanent deal or at least extend his loan. Uh, I don't, I don't see him having a big role in Manchester city next season. So if they could get him done on a, on a permanent deal, that would be massive. Um, so, you know, you, you have to give a lot of credit to Verandas and, and everybody for, for getting these quality reinforcements in. Um, and I'd also just like to finally touch up on 
two players, Antonio Adan, bring him in uh, on a free transfer after after spending the past few years as John Oblak's number two at Atletico Madrid. Uh, he's been absolutely fantastic, really. I think providing what they have lacked since Rui, Pat- Rui Patricio left, um, you know, in terms of experience, but also just arguably been the best goalkeeper in the league this season, um, as well as Nuno Santos um, coming in. Uh, you know, he had spent some time at Porto and Benfica's academy, but he's finally playing the best football of his career um, next to uh, on the other side of Pedro Gonçalves in attack. Uh, you know, he had that impressive season uh, under Carlos Carvalhal at Huav and is now doing quite well um, at Sporting for a pretty nice bargain. I know there were a lot of skeptics when when Sporting did part with um, Jelson Dalla and and Francisco Geralds for Nuno Santos, but uh, he's been absolutely massive for them in attack. And, and I think that I think the fact that Pote has been so good and will probably win the player of the year um, has led a lot of people to underrate Santos's performances, but he's been absolutely uh, fantastic for them this season. I just wanted to touch up on um, the, the role of Paulinho um, that Joao mentioned uh, in the midfield, you know, allowing players around him uh, to push on, you know, uh, whether that be Joao Mario or, um, you know, Pedro Gonzalez ahead of him, you know, not have to track back. I think that's one of the most important roles in most football clubs. I mean, if you look at Man City, for example, it's someone that's capable of being able to um, prevent transitions, you know, basically be a one-man block against defense, um, for defensive transitions. And I think that's so key for allowing Hoban uh, Amorim to be able to push forward the free attackers and keep them quite narrow because obviously... A lot of teams like to attack in in wide areas uh, in in modern football, but you know the confidence to basically say, you know what, you can come at us through the wide areas. We'll stay with our three centre backs and basically Paulinho only in the midfield, and we're confident enough to deal with your transitions because that's how most teams have approached um, Sporting this season. You know, like uh, Joao was saying, you know, sitting deeper and potentially trying to hit them on the counter attack. But when you have someone like Paulinho or, you know, in, in Pep Guardiola's Man City's prime, um, that would be Fernandinho. Obviously, being able to, you know, completely shut off transitions and get the ball back to your attackers, you can then sustain attacks, is one of the most crucial things, I feel, in, in sporting this season. And I feel it's really been a massive game changer. Uh, Joao, what do you think about that? Yeah, it's it's, it's uh, precisely what I what I was discussing earlier. It's um, for me, it's, it's massive. Uh, and Zach talk about uh, uh, Pote um, possibly being named uh, player of the season, especially if Sporting uh, is crowned champion. Uh, normally, I don't know. It's I don't know. It's I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but normally the the, the team that uh, won the championship. Um, the player from that team is crowned the the, the best player of, of the league. And uh, with Pote, with that amount of goals, um, possibly um, will be hard to argue against, against him. But if, if you want to look deep um, or a, a, little bit, a little bit deeper, um, for me, Palinha 
it was a, a completely a, a game changer this season for Sporting, and especially if you want to uh, look back at the uh, at the beginning of um, of uh, Ruben Amorim campaign in Sporting, which was last year, and um, he didn't have Palinha. He, he, he usually played uh, Vendel, which is now at Zenit, I believe it's still in Zenit, and um, and Mateus Nunes, and the way. They build up, of course. They didn't have the preseason. They didn't have all of that. But the way um, they 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 build up the game, the amount of uh, of chances that uh, they concede to the opponents, the amount of shots that they concede to the opponents was massively um, different. And uh, of course, it's it's a little bit uh, risky and uh, um, perhaps wrong to compare. Uh, uh, to different seasons uh, with uh, uh, like like I'm doing, but if you look, uh, I'm not uh, I'm not I don't have here the statistics, but I I saw that Sporting is the team that concedes uh, the least amount of uh, of um, of uh, of um, of, uh, of chances to to ch not only chances to the opponents but to to shots on goal um, and. And that uh, you can talk about the, the central defenders, of course. You can talk about the articulation between the defensive line, all of that. But the way that Palinha controls the transitions, um, the way they he 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 guarantees that the team is always always uh, balanced when they have the ball and always ready to lose the ball. It's it's incredible, and even even when you you, you see situations when Sporting is not particularly um, balanced, uh, <laughs> he he is so physically strong um, that he can he can compensate and and um, and, uh, and 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 balance even when you are unbalanced. Um, and so for me, yeah, uh, he's definitely. Uh, uh, a big change, a massive, a massive change this year, and uh, and who knows that um, if you wanna, if you will see him in um, in Euro this uh, this season as well. Yeah, um, just to just to touch up on that. Finally, um, there have been a few players who have won the Primera Liga Player of the Year uh, despite not winning the title. Simao did it with Benfica back in two thousand seven. Nemanja Matic did it for Benfica as well. And Bruno Fernandes did it twice. Um, but with that being said, I don't think there's any player outside of Sporting who deserves it more than players such as Ezra Palinha, Pedro Gonçalves, or uh, one player we, we haven't mentioned, um, mm -hmm. but recently one player of the month, Sebastian Coates. How good has he been in the center of defense? I mean, absolutely spectacular uh, from the Uruguayan. Yes. Especially in my fantasy league. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, let's move on. Let's take a deep dive into the other team that I want to speak about today, um, which is Vitoria de Guimarães. Um, this season, Vitoria have been, uh, I think, a little bit hit and miss. Um, they're, they're kind of stuck in this, in this no, man, no man's left in the league right now, where they're not quite part of the trading group, you know, towards the bottom of the table that stretches up to uh, seventh place Moranese. But they're not quite tagging on to the likes of uh, Braga and Porto and Sporting, of course. Um, this season, I think, they've had to struggle with a bit of inconsistency. You know, they had 
uh, a decent summer, uh, especially bringing in Ricardo Quaresma, um, who has started his fair share of games. I think they've had to deal with a lot of uh, inconsistency, and I think that's mostly due to how many young players they have in their squad. Um, we know that, obviously, some managers can handle the younger players uh, better, such as Hovind Amorim, you know, look at how well he's done with youngsters. But you just feel with this Victoria side, you know, there are there are core principles that are in their play that you can tangibly see, you know, the fact that they're, they're fullbacks like getting up the field and overlapping while the wingers come inside, you know, the likes of uh, Edwards um, or Quaresma, like I said, uh, coming in from the right-hand side and to the left, occupying mainly the half spaces and essentially taking up somewhat of a Liverpool model where the midfield um, is basically there to uh, provide more of a physicality function rather than, you know, be the technical providers for the team. I think the principles are there, but they've just been quite a bit inconsistent. Um, you know, when we look at Quaresma, he's not been, you know, on it this season, let's say. Uh, same thing with Edwards, same thing with pretty much all their players. And it'll be interesting to see where they go from here because, obviously, their whole season could change, you know. If they put together a massive winning streak now, who knows, they could be in Europe next season. But I think, especially with the Braga game coming up, I think tomorrow is it, um, it, it will be interesting to see how they end the season and especially how they deal with the summer and move into the next season um, and, you know, if they'll be able to keep their their key players, uh, such as, you know, uh, Estupinian, Saku, Quaresma and Edwards. Uh, uh, let's come to you first, Zach. What do you think of Vitoria this season from what you've seen? Yeah, I mean, it is a bit, as you mentioned, um, kind of, I would say, stagnant. Um, but at, at that same time, they are only, what, I believe, uh, three, six points behind Passos de Ferreira. Um, I think if they beat Braga tomorrow, which is obviously easier said than done, they'll be, I think, three points. Um, but... Yeah, you know, as you mentioned, it is it has been a bit of a decline um, from last season. Although when you look at the stats, when you look at the results, hasn't been that much of a of a drop off. But um, you know, I think that one player who you know we've talked about a lot and who hasn't quite hit the I would say the the form of last season. It's still a fantastic player, and as they. Marcus Edwards um, in, in Vitoria's last game against Boavista, he had some real moments of quality, uh, but I think that coupled with Quaresma's arrival as well as just some, I would say maybe some uh, defenders getting used to his style, um, he hasn't been as good or as, I guess, decisive as he was last season, um, but I think that he's still a very good a promising winger and uh definitely a player who will probably get a move soon um one player who actually i've i've liked a lot and i is has sort of performed in an in, in, in a variety of roles but has more i guess impressed in midfield this season um has been andre almeida not the benfica right back but the vitoria uh central midfielder he's just sort of very unique, um, I guess, in terms of his playing style. You know, he has the ability to slow down the moments and, and control the rhythm of the game. 
very interesting midfielder. And I, I would say that I think that whereas, you know, Marcus Edwards and Edmund Tapsoba were probably the, uh, the breakthrough players of last season for Vitoria, you could even throw in Falai Sako potentially. Um, I think that the breakthrough star for Vitoria the Gimarish this season uh, would probably be Andre Almeida. Um, I think that midfield in general with players such as Pepe Lu, Andre Andre, um, are, it, it's just a very good midfield trio. And um, I, think that, I think that Almeida, I'm not sure if he's going to get a move outside of Portugal soon just because he is, I'd say, a bit lightweight. But he is one of those players who, you know, we've mentioned uh, Felipe Suarez, Steven Ustakio. There's just a ton of quality midfielders outside of Ostres Grain, just outside of the top three. Um, and I think that Almeida is, is one of those players who, who could be perhaps getting a move to one of those big three soon. Um, He's just a very technically gifted uh, midfielder, knows when to pass, knows wh which player to pick out. Um, very intelligent player. And yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what you guys think of him. Uh, what are your thoughts on um, Vittoria on the whole this season, as well as, um, you know, the individual players? Yeah, um, so... Uh... <laughs> If you want to compare, if you want to compare, uh, like I begin the, my, I begin my, my, explain my point of view of Sporting, talking about the way they preparate um, the season, and uh, if you look at Vitoria, for me it's completely the opposite. The way they prepare the season uh, was not ideal, uh, not only because of the, um, of the. I want to say mistake. I don't know if I can say that mistake in choosing uh, Thiago um, as a head coach. And I'm not saying here in terms of being a, being experienced or or not. Uh, you if you if you have quality, if you have competence. Um, for example, look at Ruben Amorim. He's not experienced experienced as a as a as a as a coach, but he's very co competent uh, as um, as we are seeing. But I think the season was not very well thought. Um, that's my point of view. And um, and then um, Jean Henrique uh, was um, ended up in a situation uh, not in ended up in a not uh, a not very comfortable uh, situation. Uh, a lot of players, as you mentioned, Dennis, uh, were were bring up to the to to Guimarães. Of course, all of them with uh, with a lot of quality. But when you when you are a new manager that didn't uh, was able to to do a preseason, to know the players, uh, to install your dynamics, your way of, of thinking the game, and plus that you have a, a, a locker room with with, uh, with, uh, with with even the players don't know themselves quite good. It's it's hard. Um, it's hard and. Um, it was not an easy task for João Henrique. Um, uh, Zach uh, talk about uh, talking about uh, André Almeida. Uh, yeah, I, I I really like him as well. I think uh, Jorge Fernandes, which is the the central defender, uh, right central defender. I think is very good as well. Um, 
I want to risk. I don't want to risk it, but uh, I think he made his uh, his youth formation at at Porto. Um, he's he's very uh, he's very good on the ball. Um, I like uh, I like uh, seeing him in the in a few games that I was able to to see. Um, but yeah, I think it's hard to 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 make a, a very good analysis in Vitoria in terms of what failed, what what didn't go so well because the season was not not uh, not well prepared uh, in my point of view i don't know if you agree zach but when you when you don't prepare the season well when you don't uh, build the house the house in the right way it's hard it's hard to 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 find the problems and to 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 perform well yeah absolutely i um I, I definitely agree with what you said. Um, Dennis, do you have anything? Yeah, so I just think that, um, you know, if you look at the squad planning this season at Vitoria, you know, when you look at experience in the squad, um, going through their whole team, they have two players who are over the age of 30. Uh, one of them is new signing, Ricardo Quaresma, who also has a lot of experience. Um, and quality, but he's 37 years of old, you know, um, years of age, you know, and, you know, he's not going to be, he's definitely not going to be improving um, throughout his time at, at Vitoria. And the other player is Andrea Andrea, who's obviously been one of their, their better players this season, but even so, you know, that's just two players um, who are over the age of 30, and Andrea Andrea is literally 30 years old. So, you feel like the squad dynamic is one that's of a squad that's building for something else. However, one of the key problems that I feel with that is you just have the feeling that, you know, if their squad does come together and, you know, the younger players and the older players in the squad can put something together and, you know, potentially get Vitoria into Europe, you just feel that the next season, all of their young players are just going to get poached from bigger teams, either in Portugal or in, in Europe. You know, we talk about Marcus Edwards, um, who's, you know, by far one of the most likely players to leave there uh, in the new future. You also look at um, Lau Foster, who they signed, um, the, the South African. You know, there's a lot of young players in there, uh, including Andrea Almeida, like you said, um, like you were talking about, Zach, who's 20 years old. Um, I think it's going to be very hard for them to have long-term success with, or even short-term success with, with, with such a young squad. Um, what do you think, uh, Joao, about you know having a lack of experience and relying so much on young players? Well, I, I think is uh, it's important, uh, but it's not uh, crucial. Uh, you have the best example in, in, in sporting. You have a lot of players, a lot of young players, really. You have Thiago Tomas, 18 years old. You have Nuno Mendes. Um, even the players that are the second um, second options, like uh, Daniel Bargança, who was on loan at, uh, at Sturil. So you have uh, a lot of um, potential and a lot of uh, young players. Uh, but as you said, you need to have some uh, some experienced players um, because uh, and and Ruben Amorim I, I believe he talked about this in in, in one of the uh, one of his uh, press conferences 
when he when he when he explained why it's important to have experienced experienced players um, in the in the team, and uh, and he talked about uh, why why he, he signed uh, João Pereira um, from Trabzonspor this uh, this winter uh, winter transfer window. Um, because it's not uh, it's not that those things that we hear uh, in the in uh, in the coffees uh, or in the pubs like uh, you have to have experience the, the but it's, re it's really true because there are months on uh, in the season and in the game that you need to uh, know how uh, how to manage the time how to manage your emotions uh, Knowing when when the game is asking you to do to to speed up, uh, knowing when uh, when you have to calm up, calm the game, um, and in Vitoria uh, you have that in two players, as you said, uh, Dennis. Um, but for me, uh, I will I will just bring again this point. For me, the the, the way they prepare the season in the technical. Uh, in technical, in terms of the te technical staff, for me was the um, the key factor um, to to for you to have a, a very uh, inconstant. In, 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 I'm, I'm missing the word here, but not very uh, not very free rolling season. If you if you if you like, um, yeah, inconsistent. I, yeah, yeah, inconsistent. Um, Jean for me is a great manager. The work he did in Santa Clara, uh, in a in a very specific um, context in the in the Santa Clara is a, a very a very low um, a very low uh, team from from a small island in Portugal. When you have to travel uh, week week in and week out, to so it's very different and it's very difficult to train there. Uh, he one he one time he told in a press conference in a, in an interview that many of the times uh, because of the, the 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 weather in the island he 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 had to 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 go to to the other um, the other side of the island to train because the pitch was not not good to train so is a play is a coach that. Uh, as for sure the experience uh, difficulties um, and I'm and I'm expecting uh, and I'm looking forward to to see him coach uh, with the preseason uh, in the bag um, and I think he will do good in Vitoria he knows how to work with uh, you with your uh, youth players uh, I had I have uh, some friends that were coached by him here in a, in a in a in a team that uh, unfortunately with this uh, COVID situation ended up um, closing doors, which is Fatima, he coached here in the in the fourth division, uh, third division. Um, so I know he's a very competitive manager with uh, working with youth players, and I'm looking forward to see him um, uh, to see what he does in Vitoria with a full uh, preseason um, and uh, in a more um, in a more calm situation with the uh, with uh, with the regress of the fans because Vitoria is very strong at home with the support of the fans and um, let's see let's see what uh, what next uh, next season brings. Um, moving towards towards the last stage of the of today's podcast, 
Um, we wanted to do our, our traditional uh, Talent of the Week section today. And I think I'll start off um, this episode. And the one that I wanted to mention is someone that's been sent out on loan by Franz Santos at Benfica um, to, to Spain. And that is uh, Jota. Uh, this season, I think, he, he's not been able to perform. He hasn't been given a lot of chances. But from what we saw from him last season, um, you know, especially in the latter stage of last season, where he was getting more and more minutes, I think we saw a player with a lot of potential. You know, one of the key things was his ability to play on the left and on the right. You know, his, his dribbling style was such that he could go with his left or his right foot. You know, some players are much more comfortable on one foot to dribble. Um, and so that kind of limits where they can play on the field. But you feel with Jota, you know, on the right, he can even come in, play a free pass on his left foot, or he can go down the right, down the, the down the channel and get in a good cross. And we saw that from him uh, quite a bit towards the, the end of the season, last season with Benfica. But you just feel like it, it, he's not caught his break yet. You know, um, I was speaking uh, a couple months ago somebody that uh, was in contact with one of the Benfica youth coaches and you know the Benfica youth coaches were saying look Jota is one of the one of the best talents we've ever seen here in Seychelles you know there there are a lot better talents that we've seen and you know they've seen plenty of great talents you know if you just think about the exports into into Europe you know you look at Joao Felix you look at um, Ederson, you look, there's there's so many players and for them to say that Jota was, you know, one of, if not the best talent that they've ever seen, I think is, is speaking very highly of his, his qualities and, you know, obviously he has to put in the work still, but I, I feel like if he does get the opportunities um, and, you know, he finds the right club with the right style to fit him, I think he's He's looking at a very bright future. Um, Zach and Joao, what do you think of of Jota? You know, not just this season, but last as well, and as a player on the whole. Joao, you want to start, or should I? Go for go. I mean, look, uh, Jota. I think was probably the best player at the. Um, was it the U19, U19 Euros? Uh, it's in 2018. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we saw, and, and I think that was a real testament to Portugal's de- strength in numbers because you saw players such as Rafael Leao, um, Joao Felix, you know, the big stars miss out for various reasons, and yet Portugal still dominated. And one of the biggest reasons uh, behind that was Jota or Joao Felipe, as, as he's known. Um, but one of those players who can really just uh, take, who can perform on either flank and who can uh, really wreak havoc um, against I, against any defense when he's on form. Um, we saw how crucial he was uh, playing on the opposite flank of uh, Francisco Trincao. And, you know, it, it took Trincao a while to, to finally get consistent opportunities um, at at Braga, it was our our good old friend Ruben Ruben Amorim who who finally gave him um, you know a path into the first team. But uh, it I think that uh, we still haven't quite seen that um, 
I, I guess we haven't quite seen that same breakthrough uh, from Jota yet. I think that, I mean, one thing that is, I guess, positive, though, um, is the fact that Jota is playing semi-regularly at Real Valladolid. Um, he isn't a, I guess, he isn't a, a starter yet, um, but he is playing a lot off the bench. And, you know, that is a lot better from, better than just, you know, I think a Gonzalo Ramos situation uh, where you're pretty much in, in purgatory, you know, not really playing much for the B team, not really playing much for the first team, um, get the odd cup appearance. So I definitely think it's a better situation than that. But I'm not convinced that Valladolid was the right team. It's, it's more of a, 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 def a team that, I guess, prioritizes defensive solidity, a team that will, you know, line up in a 4-4-2. And, and where, I guess, players such as Jota will not be able to shine as much. Um, so I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm glad that he did leave on loan. But I'm not sure that Valladolid was the right um, what was the right uh, club for him. I'm also not sure why Benfica have never really given him uh, as many opportunities as his talent deserves because he, this is a very good, promising young talent, and he could land Benfica, you know, a, a lot of money. Um, but I, I think I'd like to see him maybe go to a Hiwav or a, um, uh, a Vitoria potentially. And, and join one of those, you know, top half teams where a player of his attacking talent uh, is, is able to shine more. Uh, he's just a really fantastic prospect when he's on his day who can just, you know, play at like a, a like at the speed of light um, with, with close control and, uh, you know, can, can cut in and, and send in crosses, or he can, he can go and, and stretch the defense, um, either cutting in or, or going to the touchline. So I think he's, he's, there's a lot to like in his profile, uh, whether that's his, you know, close control, um, his balance, or just his ability to just, uh, run at defenses with, with a ton of speed. So, uh, I'm not sure that Biodelete was the right move for him, but I definitely think that it was a better move than just just sitting around at Benfica and you know hoping that George Jesus would would give him um, a chance in the first team, especially when his his uh, repertoire with youth players is probably even worse than than Bruno Lodge's. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, what your thoughts? Yeah, um, I I agree with Zach. Um, I I don't believe that the, the value of the lead was the right club for Jota. Um, well, <laughs> it's easy to talk after if if he if he, he started playing and uh, and he did well. Uh, we, we were having a, a different conversation, but we have to work what uh, what with what we have. Um, and so I don't think value of the lead was the the right. Uh, team for him um, because as Zach said he's a very creative player he needs to have um, freedom to fail uh, if that makes sense it's very important for those kind of players uh, for this kind of players to fail and to learn and to to be in the in the situation in, in a team and with a coach that uh, lets them fail and uh, not only lets them fail but 
um, uh, help them to, to cope with those mistakes and to learn from those mistakes. Um, and when I look at Real Valladolid, I don't see that. Um, I don't see uh, a, um, uh, a club, like a, a technical staff, uh, able to help him. I, I'm not saying the, the coaches aren't good, none of that, but the context, I don't, I don't, I don't see that. Um, for me, uh, I would like to see him in Portugal. Um, Zach talk about Rio Ave. I think uh, with this season, with um, well, at the end of this season, and coming uh, on to next season with uh, Miguel Cardoso, which is a very uh, a play um, a coach that that does that that allows the players to to make mistakes. Um, you are seeing Rafael Camacho doing very good nowadays in in Rio Ave. Uh, in the past uh, and uh, in the first uh, tenure of uh, Miguel Cardoso with Riwav, you saw Ruben Ribeiro, who then went up to um, uh, with Jorge Jesus um, to Sporting. Um, so, and Ruben Ribeiro was a player like Jot in the sense of a player that that wants to dribble, wants to go one on one, very technical, gifted, and um, and so. Um, I think he needs to fight the right place for him uh, and the right club. Uh, I don't see Benfica being that club at least uh, in the in the short um, in the in the short period. Um, international, uh, I don't know uh, if you agree with me, but a league like uh, like Holland at uh, a divisie, where um, where the teams are more uh, the teams are more balanced to. To, to attack and there are more space and there are more space uh, I think would be a more uh, 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 better fit for him but um, let's see next season I, I, I believe that next season we will stay in Portugal um, perhaps even <laughs> perhaps even Rio Ave as, uh, as Zach, uh, as Zach uh, talked about but uh, we know that Zach has information is just uh, He's just saying that for <laughs> that in the future he, he comes he comes in here and says uh, I, I was right, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, um, let's see let's see next season. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think a move to Eredivisie would be would be a positive one for him. We know a lot of players um, flourish there. Um, you, you just have to look at the likes of Mason Mount, who you know currently one of the the best attacking fielders in the Premier League. You know, started flourishing in the Eredivisie. Um, I think a move to to either you know PSV or Ajax would be would be very promising for for Jota. Um, you know, it would be uh, a permanent uh, deal. Sorry, then. Um, sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you were talking about players. Um, and we were talking about Mason Mount, and he reminded me of Lucas Piazon, who almost uh, was like a phoenix. <laughs> he gained. A, he, he went to Chelsea as a very uh, big prospect and then he went to Vitesse, I guess, on loan and uh, he did very well and uh, he kind of uh, revitalized himself uh, and now he's performing very well in Braga uh, after a good campaign in, in Riwav. So, yeah, very good point. Yeah, there's definitely that possibility. I mean, you know, uh, he's a young player, you know, I think if Benfica was to sell him out, right, to one of the teams in the other division, I think they'd be losing out on a potential big sum of money. You know, potentially they could put in a clause where, you know, they get 30% of the profits or something like that. But 
I think, you know, I think Jota will definitely feel hard done to be let go by Benfica, but definitely at least a loan move to the Eredivisie would be a, a very positive one for him. Um, Zach, let's go to you next. Um, who's your who's your talent of the week? Yeah, um, great, great pick um, by by Joao. But I think uh, I had a tough time picking um, because I I just want to highlight just how good. Sebastian Coatz has been. I know he's 30 years old, so he's not really a, a young talent anymore. But uh, I think for me, uh, probably the best player in Portugal right now, uh, deservedly won the, the the player of the month. Um, may not get it over Pote for the player of the year um, because he's he's not an attacker. But how how crucial has he been? And and on Friday, uh, chipping in to the goal scoring department with a crucial goal over Santa Clara. But um, given the fact that he's not really young, I think I will have to go with uh, Evan Nielsen. So Evan Nielsen is a, um, is a young striker for, for Porto who hasn't quite managed to break into the um, starting lineup yet for Porto, but is playing some, some quality minutes under Sergio Conceição. 21 years old and recently joined from Fluminense, uh, a Brazilian club which has a fantastic uh, production line of, of attackers such as Joao Pedro, Richarlison, um, Marcos Paulo. And I think that Emmanuel Schoen is, is going to, uh, is, is a player who could end up catching fire over the next few um, months of the season. Even even though Porto, if they if they do manage to get eliminated uh, by um, by Juventus, I think that the season is sort of a write off at this point. Um, but but obviously the the only the only priority for them at that point will be getting Champions League football. So I think that Evan Nielsen has it's it's not easy to to be a young um, attacking creative player and and break into. Uh, Sergio Conceição's side. We've seen that with with Oliver Torres um, eventually going to Sevilla after not really getting many uh, chances to be a starter. Um, we've seen that with a lot of players. Shoya Nakajima is another one. Um, and so I, I'm not sure if it's that much of a surprise that Evan Nielsen hasn't been able to solidify a starting spot over um, Musa, Mare Musa Marega and Meditaremi. But I personally think that Marega... As, as good as he is in certain occasions, he is a very frustrating, inconsistent player. And I definitely would like to see Evan Nielsen um, get more minutes at, at Porto. Um, but I think it's also worth noting just a, a very interesting stat I saw um, the other day. Uh, Evan Nielsen with, with three goals scored in just 312 minutes um, in Liga Noche. He is the Porto player who needs the least amount of minutes um, to, to score. Um, although he, he could still, yeah, he could still improve in certain ways um, with just 27% of, uh, of, of shots converted. I think that's very, a very interesting stat. That's from goal point, um, very good account. So I think that Evan Nielsen is is a player who who will get more chances, especially with I think the potential for Conceição to leave at the end of the season. Um, I could definitely see uh, the new Porto manager trying to sell a few of those veteran players, such as 
I think Musa Marega and, and trusting more in youngsters such as Evan Nielsen. Um, but despite the fact that he hasn't gotten many opportunities yet, um, he has managed to, I think, show why he has a lot of talent and, and why he, um, why, why he has a, a big potential. I think that, um, that Marega is, is a player who is probably reaching the end of his peak. Um, you know, I, I think that he's definitely one of Conceição's favorite players, but, uh, frankly, I think that Evan Nielsen, there are a lot of games where I think he deserves to be, um, uh, starting where, where Porto will need something extra from him. Um, obviously Porto, it wasn't, wasn't a cheap reinforcement either, but, um, I think that he has the potential to, to make that, um, investment for, from what they paid, uh, Fluminense. Um, I think that he has potential to make it seem like a bargain. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, yeah, I think Evan Nilsson, mostly, he, he's still young, um, will potentially get chances um, under under a new manager, probably, uh, as it looks like Sergio Conceição may not be keeping his job. I think, for me, with Evan Nilsson, I think the moment that I knew that he was going to be a very good player, whether that be for Porto or for someone else, um, was was the game against Gilles Saint, um, where you know Porto won one 0 and Evan Nelson was by far and away the best player um, on the pitch. You know, um, he he scored a goal, but more notably, you know, he hit the woodwork twice, um, and it wasn't even just like his finishing, but his creation as well. You know. Um, being able to play incisive passes when dropping deeper and playing the balls into like um, the the medium channels, you know, um, being able to receive it and you know hold it. Because despite playing in the front two of Tony Martinez, we know that Tony likes to to push forward a bit more. And Evan Nielsen was was doing a lot of the, the heavy work, and he was also getting the rewards for it. You know, uh, if I look back at his stats from the game, he had three key passes in that game along with his goal, you know, uh, I thought it was, it was a very good, impressive um, performance from him. Uh, Joao, what are your thoughts on, on Evan Nelson? Um, yeah, I think <laughs> you, you, you talk about Jota and it's, uh, and uh, it was hard uh, for him to play under, under Jorge Jesus uh, and even Nielsen with all the difference, of course, will be hard uh, for, for not only because you have Marega, which uh, as Zach talked about, in uh, for Conceição is is uh, unexpendable, is is key for uh, for the, for a Sergio Conceição model. Um, like it or not, the the way Marega plays, for example, for me is not the kind of of of, of forward of of um, of striker that I like, but. In the in the in what he does, he is very good. Uh, in the way he attacks depth and, and all of that is is very 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 good. One of the best in Europe in that in that specific um, moment of the game. Uh, and I, I see Evan Nielsen uh, more like uh, an alternative to 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 Taremi. And uh, when you look at Taremi. <laughs> It's. Uh, I think. Just, I thought 
I think Jack, um, Zach talked about um, Taremi being one of the best uh, strikers uh, in, in the league, and I agree with him. Is 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 a remarkable uh, was a remarkable signing first from uh, from Rio Ave. Um, we discovered them, him, um, and now Porto. Ivan uh, Nilsson. Um, I don't know where 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 I read it. But to give credit to the person, uh, I'm really not not. Uh, uh, I don't. I really don't know. But I I read uh, in some article that Ivan um, Nielsen is very uh, similar to Hook in the sense of when Hook uh, arrived in Portugal, he was uh, a player that uh, had a lot of success in his actions but not because he, he, he but mainly because of his uh, physical abilities uh, not because of of the way he, he, he thought the game i don't know if he, if this makes sense for, for you uh, Evan Nielsen for me is is similar he, he comes out of brazil where um, he had a lot of of um, of uh, success in his actions not because he needed to think about what what he was doing, but because he was so much more strong physically, so much uh, strong and uh, technical wise, that uh, if he decided well or not, he was irrelevant. Um, and in Portugal, it's different. In Portugal, you you need to be strong physically and uh, and technical gifted to make the difference, but you need to think the game as well. You need to make good decisions. You need to, to be in the right space at the right time. And uh, I think that is a process. Um, and uh, and Evan Nielsen in that uh, in that uh, in that area needs to work a little bit because um, uh, because when when he is able to be on the right space at the right time. Uh, and uh, I think it was Dennis that talked about the way he, he, he impacted the game against Gil Vicente. He, is, he, he makes a difference. Um, but yeah, I, I compare him a little bit uh, with Hook in the way he, he, went, uh, he went to Porto and uh, the difficulties that Hook um, had in the, first, uh, in the first season. And... Um, and uh, uh, and uh, and uh, and I believe that even Nielsen has has to do the same uh, and the same path in the in that kind of um, to 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 overcome that that uh, that kind of hurdles. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, last but not least, who who are you choosing for your talent of the week in today's episode? Well, uh, I. I, I don't know if you, if you will have time to talk about uh, Isturil, but uh, I I choose a player of um, of Isturil. Uh, I choose uh, I choose Miguel Crespo, um, which is uh, perhaps the best player of of the second division. Um, of, well, for me, for sure, he's the best player of second division. I, I don't know if he will be crowned the the sec the best player of second division. Um, and uh, and. Uh, it's not only the talent of the week, but it turns out to be the talent of the season in the second league. 
he has uh, 24 years old uh, and he has quite a curious pet. He won the regional league of uh, Viena do Castelo with uh, uh, Neves, I think it was Neves Football Club. Uh, then he, he went out to he went out to play with um, in Campeonato de Portugal with that team. I believe they they didn't uh, did well. Um, then he went to Merlinense, then to Braga B uh, until he joined the Estoril two years ago. Um, so from his pet, you can see is is that he's very resilient. Uh, we have to work hard to to get uh, where he is now. Um, and as a player on the field, he possesses a, an excellent um, uh, close control and driving ability, which uh, which can be used here if he, if you if you imagine him in a top tier team next season, like uh, I don't know Braga, Guimarães. Um, those kind of qualities can be used to to allow his team to maintain the ball uh, the the ball. And this allows him not only to create societies along the field for one-two combinations, to ask for the ball in the in the right space at the right time. Uh, so, and this, this is a very uh, important quality for me when I'm looking to 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 analyze midfielders and 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 I'm watching uh, games um, to appear inside the box to to finish it. To, to shoot uh, to shoot to the goal and he has uh, six goals I guess and in, in the second division so far and he's a very a very key player for Estoril um, and is ideal for uh, Estoril way of playing and the dynamics that um, Bruno Pinheiro brought to the team uh, uh, and made him and this made him uh, at least for me the best player in the in the second league to this date. Zach, what are your thoughts? Um, obviously, we're expecting to have watched a lot of the Segunda, um, as I haven't as well. I haven't watched a lot of that at all. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I can't claim to know um, anywhere near as much about the Segunda, unfortunately, as, as well. But uh, I will say that just what a season from uh, Storil. I mean, they've been in the second division for... Was it? I think three years at this point. Um, but currently, currently, uh, first place in the Segunda looks like they're going to return um, under the the reign of actually. I think I believe it's an American president, uh, Jeffrey Saunders, who who purchased the club. Um, I think two years ago. Um, incredible run in the Tasa de Portugal. You know, defeating Boavista, Hilal, Marichimo. Um, before losing to Benfica in the semifinals. So between that and between um, b between that and, and their, you know, being top of the league, uh, incredible season from them. Um, and, you know, even, even when they were in the second division, well, they still are in the second division, um, they've always had, you know, good quality players who, who end up making a name for themselves somewhere else. Um, I mean, I believe that, just just off the top of my head, um, 
Marcos Antonio, uh, one of those, one of the players from who's impressing um, under Luis Castro at Shakhtar Donetsk. Um, only spent a few months at Storil, but uh, just another another player, Mateos Nunes, who we've talked a bit about this episode. Um, you know, Felipe Suarez, Dennis, I know you love him. Um, and so they've, they've always found a way to, you know, even despite being in the second division for the past few years, uh, taking quality talents and, and uh, building them up. Um, and so, I, I mean, I, I definitely trust Joao's ward. Um, obviously, one of my favorites for, for the past few years, who's finally getting opportunities at the uh, first team level, Daniel Braganza, spent the last season on loan at Storiel. So I'm incredibly excited to see them. Uh, well, it looks like we, we will see them in, in the Primera next season. And um, from from all the people who I know who, who watch the Segunda uh, regularly, they, they say that Estoril is, is a fantastic team to watch. So, um, and, and, you know, it, it's, I'm, ex- I'm incredibly excited to see them, hopefully in the Primera. And, uh, you know, this is, you, this is why we you, have guests like Joao on the show, because they can tell us a little <laughs> bit about players in the, in the lower leagues that we may have not watched uh, focusing on the Primera so much. But, but Zach, but you can you can watch Studio tomorrow if you want. Uh, Studio will play against Feirense, so it's first against second, uh, and uh, and it's a good opportunity for you and Dennis if you want to to uh, to wipe up on the on the hype train of Miguel Crespo. <laughs> and real uh, how do you how do you how do you differentiate between Ferenc and Ferenc? Because that seems like like from a new <laughs> that just seems like torture differentiating it. Those are two different teams. Like it's just it's just crazy to me. Like it's yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like you know, it's 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 funny because when I was little, uh, when I was a little kid, I had uh, I struggled as well. I remember a time when uh, when uh, I th- I think it was my father or my uncle went to went to. To, uh, to Santa Maria da Feira, yeah. which is the, the home team of Feirense, which is will play against Surreal tomorrow, and uh, I I asked for a for a team uh, for a shirt of Feirense uh, <laughs> because I didn't uh, I didn't uh, it was hard, it's it's hard even for uh, it's even hard in here in Portugal, but Feirense is in Algarve, Zach, and yep. Feirense is in the is in the second division. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. just way too like complicated. But it, it reminds me, like in the Moscow Metro, uh, real random. There are literally two two uh, metro stops, actually four, who have duplicates with the same exact name uh, in the Moscow Metro. So it's like for a neutral viewer, that just must be like hell. Um, but but did yeah, you enter the World Cup? Did you enter the did. World Cup? Yeah, I did. No, I, I, I did. I did as well. I did as well. Okay. Yeah. And I got, I got, I got messed. I got mixed around because I went to like the one Dadashkafka on the on the light brown line when I needed to go to the other one on the dark brown line. So it's just it reminds me a little bit of the uh, of the Ferenc Ferenc, uh, you know, confusion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was a ma- um, it was a massive experience, huh? World yeah. Cup. Oh, oh my god. 
Yeah. Um, Jean, thank you so much, um, you know, for spending your time here today uh, speaking with us. You know, you provided a lot of great insight um, on all the topics that we've uh, spoken about. So uh, thank you very much for, for spending your time today.